All right. Uh, good morning. Uh, we're in a series called Step Up, where we are sharing how to, some ways that we can take things to the next level. How can we step up in our journey with Christ? And uh, a couple weeks ago, or about a week ago, my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law came to visit us. And uh, he, he's from northern Minnesota, so they came from Colorado, drove to northern Minnesota, came down here to stay with us for about a week. And my brother-in-law, Justin, was bringing home his fishing boat that he got from his parents. Uh, an older fishing boat from 1983, but he's taking it back to Colorado, and he said, hey, uh, let's take everyone out fishing. And my son, he's seven, and, and he wants to get into fishing. We're like, this is a great idea. Let's get everyone on the boat, and we'll get out on Fish Lake and go some fishing. Um, it's not a very big boat. So we took a picture of us out on the lake. Um, yeah, we are all barely in there. Uh, the boat we saw held 850 pounds. I added it up, and we were about 750 to 800 pounds. So right there on that line of getting on that boat. Uh, and if you know me, I love boating, as Ryan said. And so we were out on the lake in this little tiny fishing boat, and uh, my son Josh caught his very first bass, a uh, nice 15-inch bass. And that was exciting for him to do that. And it was just great to be on that water on that boat. I love boating. I love being on boats. Uh, again, if you're a woman and you're this Saturday, meet at Fish Lake, uh, do some boating. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, a church is a lot like a boat. And I've thought about this a lot, that you can really go two ways with this. I mean, you could have a little fishing boat, but really, you know, a church is, is a bigger boat and, uh, you know, then can fit just kind of one little fishing boat. And what we could do is we could build a cruise ship. You know, a, a cruise ship says like, man, you know, everyone get on board. We want to, you know, leave this culture behind and we want to get away and we're all having fun and, you know, Nate and I are kind of the cruise directors and we're coming up with activities that are fun and, you know, ways to feed you guys and, you know, you're just there kind of kicking back and nothing necessarily wrong with that. But early on when we said we're starting this church, Mosaic Church, what do we want it to be like? And we said, you know what, we don't want to build a cruise ship. You know, Nate and I, uh, we don't want to be cruise directors, just coming up with activities for people, getting away from, you know, the world. What we want to build is we want to build a battleship. And there's some big differences between a battleship and a cruise ship. See, on a battleship, everyone has a role, everyone has a reason for being there. And, and everyone is participating in the mission. And everyone knows that what that mission is. And that mission is to go into the enemy lines to rescue the captives, to push back the enemy. And that's what we want Mosaic Church to be, is to be a battleship. And uh, even on those battleships, there's the infirmary, and maybe you've taken some hits in your life, and you're bleeding, and you're raw, and you're like, man, I'm just here, I need some healing. That's great. Come on board this ship, get healed, and then we want you to get trained and ready to find your place of action. And what's great about a battleship is that there's lots of different ways to, uh, to participate in that action. You know, maybe you, uh, your role in the battleship is to provide prayer coverage. And so you're, you're manning those guns that are shooting those prayers into enemy territory. And you are, you know, covering things in prayer. Maybe your role is to be on one of those helicopters that's going into enemy territory. And you're landing and you're rescuing the captives and you're bringing them back. Wherever you are in life, whatever the way God has wired and gifted you, you can have a role in this mission. God doesn't invite any spectators. He wants each one of us to have a role and a mission as we go into enemy territory. And that's what it's about. That's what it's about to be a partner at Mosaic. It's not saying that I'm a member and I get my dues, but I'm partnering together 
to push back the enemy, to help people find hope and healing through Jesus. Amen? And so this series is all about stepping up. It's saying, hey, we're coming together to make a difference. We believe that we can make an impact in our community, that we really can change families, that we can change neighborhoods, that we can change a city by coming together, by partnering together to make a difference. And our mission is to help people love God, to help people serve others, and to make disciples. That's what we're all about. And a disciple is just someone who knows Jesus, wants to be like Jesus, and do the things that Jesus did. And so the last two weeks, we've been talking through this series, Step Up. How do we grow? How do we change? And we say there's these spiritual disciplines. They're tools that God has given us. And the tools don't change us, but they help get us to the place where God's Spirit can do the change in our hearts. And so the last two weeks, we've talked about kind of these internal uh, spiritual disciplines. Two weeks ago, we talked about meditation. And we looked at the story of Mary and Martha and how they sat, how Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and Martha worked. And now, neither one is bad, but we want to worship first, like Mary, and then work like Martha. We want Mary's heart and Martha's hands. And the last week, we looked at prayer and how God is not irritated by our persistent, consistent prayers. And he invites us, actually, to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And that when God puts something on your heart, to keep going after it. In the same way that someone who shows up in the middle of the night at his friend's house and he's knocking on the door and, and Jesus tells us he's not going to open the door just because he's friends. He's going to open the door because he keeps asking. And we looked at Luke 18 and how the widow comes to the judge and keeps asking for justice, keeps asking for justice. And this judge is like, fine, because you keep asking, I'm going to give in. In the same way our Heavenly Father invites us to keep asking, to keep seeking, keep knocking. And when we pray, it's important to have persistent, consistent prayers. And that as we keep asking and seeking and knocking, God's going to either change something inside of us and let us know, nope, you're asking and seeking the wrong thing. What I have for you is over here. Or he is going to do or asking, but on his timetable. So the last two weeks, we've been looking at kind of these step-up uh, internal things. And these next two weeks, today and next Sunday, we're going to look at more external ones. And this one, we're going to look at the power of generosity and the power of coming together on a mission, what God can do through us. Uh, we have two very valuable possessions that I think all of us keep with us at all times. Um, if you have them with you, I want, you know, I want to see you. Pull out your wallet in one hand and your phone in the other hand. Let me see them. Wallets and phones. Ryan, if you could collect everyone. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but let's see them. Wallets and phones. All right, good. Keep, keep those wallets and your phones. Uh, we all have almost always have a phone now, right? Is there anyone that doesn't have a smartphone? We're not going to shame you. That's impressive. Not many of us, right? Uh, but we keep stuff on our phones. Like, their phones are great. I mean, yeah, we can be kind of slaves to our phones, but they're awesome to take pictures, to shoot videos. And, you know, probably not many of us have unlimited uh, phone storage because that would just be amazing and super expensive. So we have a limited amount of storage on all our phones, whether you have just a few, you know, a small gigabytes or hundreds. We all have a limited amount of storage. You know, uh, the other day, you know, I was at a concert and taking video and pictures, and all of a sudden, you know, my phone is full. It's like, oh, man, i got to delete some stuff to get space onto it for what I want on it. Have you ever been in that situation where maybe you're taking pictures of your kids or videos or, you know, you're loading your iPad maybe with movies, and it's, oh, it's all full. In our lives, it's very similar that we have a limited amount of storage in our minds and our souls. And there's times when we just get filled up with maybe worries, anxieties, maybe good stuff. We just get 
You ever feel that way? You're just, you're like, man, I am just filled. My mind can't handle anything else. We have a limited amount of storage. And in the same way that with our phones or our iPads, we have to delete some stuff off it. I think God wants us to let go of some things, to release some things, so we have space, so we have margin to, to allow God to fill our hearts and minds. Same with our schedules. If we fill it up to the max with stuff, we have a limited amount of time. We all get 24 hours in a day. I think that when we say, I'm going to spend some time, you know, hanging out, watching Netflix, like it's very true. We're actually spending limited amount of capital that we have. Whatever we spend our time on, we are literally spending the limited amount of capital, a limited amount of time that we have. And so even in our schedules, even with our lives, there are things that we need to do to get rid of that stuff so we have space margin for what God wants to do in our lives. All right, grab your, grab your wallet again. All right, got your wallet? All right, now pass your wallet to the person next to you. And if you're on the end, pass it to the person behind you. All right. We're good? How you feeling? Pretty good? All right. Pass that person's wallet to one more person. How's the anxiety level now? Maybe we should pass phones. That might even be more anxious. All right. One more time. Pass the wallet one more person. I've lost everyone. They're freaking out. All right, so now's the time, Ryan. Let's receive an offering. Reach into those wallets. Give all you got. Right, but I mean, we get a little anxious when it comes to money. Like, it's like, ah, I don't know how I feel about this. We get a little freaked out. I think God has put a desire, I think, in all our hearts to be generous with our time, with our finances. I don't think we lack the desire for generosity. Hang on, don't pass them back yet. Don't pass them back yet. <laughs> Come on now. I think the reason a lot of us lack generosity in our time, in our finances, with what we're doing, is due to anxiety and fear. That that's really tied up with our limited amount of resources of time, a limited amount of resources of money. And so we're going to look at what does Jesus say in regards to generosity in our time, and, and, and how do we combat that? And we're going to see that generosity combats anxiety. And that there are times when, we, when simplicity helps us to be more generous in our time and our money. Go ahead and give your wallets back now. All right. You can give them back. Uh, and hopefully you end up with the right one. If you don't want to give the wallet back because I had more money, that's fine too. You can deal with that later. Uh, if you're taking notes this morning, you can write this down. Uh, we, we encourage you to take notes because we think we don't want to just give you some bunch of information uh, on a Sunday morning. We want you to have a life of transformation. So we think if you can hear it, if you can see it, you write it down, and then even take that next step and discuss it. Take your note sheet home, discuss it with your family, with your teenage kids, with your small group. That'll really help get those truths down into your heart, and we can start changing the way we are and become more like Jesus. Because it's all about being more like Jesus. Amen? Uh, but you can write this down. Fear has always been one of the principal enemies of a growing faith. Fear has always been one of the principal enemies of a growing faith. Fear has a way of clouding our thinking and obscuring the facts. And Jesus is going to address this concern about fear and anxiety and worry. And he's going to teach us some things. He's going to show us some things. He's also going to give us the power to obey what he commands. Uh, we're going to turn in our Bibles to so Luke chapter 12. If you brought your Bibles, if you want to turn your Bible app to Luke chapter 12, 
The verses will also be here uh, behind me. Uh, we've been working our way through the book of Luke uh, for the last uh, 34 weeks or so, and uh, we love books of the Bible, and we love going through books of the Bible because that forces me as a preacher to not just preach in my favorite five uh, passages in the Bible, but to actually preach God's word. And so it, when, when Jesus talked about money, well, it's next up, and this is why we have to talk about this. So uh, that's why we love books of the Bible. Uh, Luke 12, we're going to start in verse 22. Uh, before we do that, would you join me in prayer? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the book of Luke that we've been diving into and learning and growing. God, I thank you uh, for these passages we've been looking at uh, of meditation, of prayer, of generosity. Lord, I pray that uh, you would work in our hearts to let go of our fears, our worries, our anxieties. God, so that we'd have more margin in our budgets, more margin in our time uh, to be generous, uh, that you could use us to make a difference in this world. Uh, God, I pray that you'd be with me, that I would be clear that these would be your words, um, that uh, you would change hearts and lives, that your Holy Spirit would be work even right now in this place. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, would you join me, uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 22. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of his life? Jesus is talking, and he says, do not be anxious. He says, look at the ravens. Now, let's be honest. Ravens are really like flying rats, right? Like, no one likes ravens. No one has a pet raven, except for maybe Uncle Billy from It's a Wonderful Life. And he was a few crayons short of a full box, right? Uh, no one else has pet ravens. No one goes bird watching for ravens. Like, they're ugly birds. They're symbolized like death. And Jesus is saying, these ugly flying rats, if, if God even cares about the ravens, the flying rats, he probably cares for you. And which of you, verse 25, by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. You know, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So look at the flowers. They're beautiful. They don't go to the right stores. They're not worrying about like, where am I going to shop? What am I going to look like? Like no lily is like, do these pants make my butt look fat? Like they don't think that, right? They're just flowers. God takes care of them. Verse 28. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We're going to look at three things that Jesus teaches us in this passage. We're going to pull out today. The first, Jesus tells us to fear not. Fear not. You can write that down. Fear not. Fear not is the most commonly uttered command in the Bible. Do you know that? And more than anything else, God tells us, to fear not. Now, what he's not saying is don't plan and prepare. The Bible talks a lot about planning. The book of Proverbs says that we need to plan, we need to prepare, get a budget, get a plan, get a schedule. 
Think about retirement. Think about how you're going to take care of your children. Think about how you're going to take care of your children's children. Like, it's good to plan and prepare, but he's saying, don't be afraid of that. Don't be anxious about the future. Don't freak out. Don't stress out about that. A couple things about fear. Number one, fear is vision without optimism. Fear is vision without optimism. Some of you, like me, are visionaries. Maybe that's one of your top strength finders' strengths. And maybe you're a visionary. You can see the future. You can see where your health is growing. But you know the health problems you've had in your family. You can maybe see where your relationships are going down the road. But you don't have optimism, and so you're fearful. You're like, this could go bad. This could go costly. This could fail. God wants us to know that the best is yet to come. That he has more for us. That good things are coming that if you have vision in life, but he wants you to have optimism, to believe that good things are coming, to fear not. But fear is an enormous issue in our society today, and it manifests itself with something called anxiety. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus talks about issues like fear and anxiety that are so relevant to our world today? That's why we love the Bible, that it's so practical. It speaks to us today, even though it was written, you know, 2,000 years ago. You know the number one category of prescription medication in the U.S. is antidepressants. Number one prescription drug is antidepressants. And one of the most common issues is sleeplessness. People are anxious. They're stressed out. They're not sleeping well. They're freaked out. They're struggling. Less and less people are taking all their vacation time. And if people go on vacation, they tend to take, like me, your smartphone or your laptop. Because we're fearful about letting go of control. We're fearful of being out uh, of the loop. It's called anxiousness. But Jesus, the Bible tells us, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Jesus is the wonderful counselor, and he wants to help us. He's talking about these things because he loves us, and he wants to serve us. And fear in the mind leads to anxiety in the body. Fear in the mind leads to anxiety in the body. It doesn't even have to be real fears. Like, when you go see you know, a movie, you know that's not real, but you feel that anxiety, that fight or flight pops up. Or at Halloween time, when people are dressing up, like, you know Haunted House, that's not real. But it doesn't matter. It still manifests itself as anxiety. And so real or imagined fears can affect us in the same way. We have this fight or flight. It gets us amped up. But isn't it wonderful that Jesus talks about these things? And here's the thing. He does it sympathetically. See, unlike other religions where their God or their gods are far away. Jesus came near, and he says to us, fear not. So you might say, well, that's easy for you to say, God, like, not, not to fear. You're up in heaven, like, life is good. You're surrounded by angels and the streets of gold. It's all fine, but here on earth, man, we have fears, we have anxieties, we have worries. But see, God came into our human flesh in the person of Jesus. And Jesus walked the earth like you and I. The book of Hebrews tells us that we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with us because he's been here. He gets it. He knows it. He feels it. We, we read a couple weeks ago that Jesus turned his face toward Jerusalem, and, and now in the book of Luke, he's on his way to Jerusalem. And what's he going to do in Jerusalem? What waits for him in Jerusalem? The cross. And he knows he's going to experience the excruciating agony of the cross. He's going to experience the wrath of God poured upon him as a sacrifice for our sins. And he knows that's waiting for him. 
The Bible tells us that the night before Jesus went to the cross, as he's, prayer, as he's praying, he's literally sweating drops of blood, that he's, he's so anxious that the capillaries are bursting as he's anticipating his own execution and murder. Jesus gets anxiety. And when Jesus says, fear not, he understands what it's like to suffer physically. He understands what it's like to die. He understands what it's like to have people malign your reputation. He knows what it's like to have your family think you're a little crazy or disown you or turn their backs on you. He knows what it's like to have friends you can't depend on. Because his closest friends fell asleep in the garden when he said, hey, can you sit up awake and pray with me? And he kept coming back and they kept falling asleep. He knows what it's like to have someone steal from you, betray you, and kill themselves. His name was Judas, and Jesus loved him and served him. Jesus knows what it's like to be single and alone. At this point in his life, he's broke, he's homeless, heading towards the cross. But isn't it wonderful Jesus isn't just another religious figure with a cushy, comfy life that gives us some principles that he's never really had to live? That's not our Jesus. Don't you love Jesus? He's been there, and he says, fear not. Don't be anxious. And when he says fear not, he's not just giving us something to do, not to do. See, he's trying to lead you and me into a new way of life that's good for us because he loves us. That's our Jesus. He tells us, fear not. Let go of those worries, those anxieties. Turn them over to God. Second thing he tells us to do is to seek God's kingdom. He tells us to seek after God's kingdom. See, Jesus goes in an unexpected direction because if you look at most books that talks about anxieties and worries, they're like, you need to get, you know, take care of yourself. You need to take care of yourself and, you know, get to a good place so you love yourself, you know, pay attention to yourself. And that's good. Like, yes, we need to have good self-care. But Jesus says, no, it's not about turning your eyes on yourself. It's about getting your eyes off yourself. Verse 31, he says, instead, instead of anxiety and fear, instead, seek his kingdom, seek God's kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus tells us to redirect our focus from ourselves and to seek the kingdom. He says, you know what part of the problem is? If all you ever do is think about yourself and all your problems and everything that's going on, you're going to end up with fear and anxiety. But if you start thinking about your Father, and you start thinking about those in need, and how to expand God's kingdom, and how to be a part of a battleship and to push back the enemy— it's going to completely change the way you look at life. Now hear me. I'm not saying don't take care of yourself. You know, moms of young kids in the room, like you need time where you can get away and, and you know, get a manicure, all right? You know, get, uh, have a walk. Just get some time to breathe and think. All of us, we need that time. But if we're continually looking at ourselves and working on ourselves and just thinking about ourselves, Jesus says that's not the answer. The answer isn't just to always look at ourselves and try to figure things out for ourselves. The answer is to get on our eyes on God and his kingdom and say, okay, Father, what are you doing in this world and how can I partner with you to accomplish what you want to accomplish in this world? How can I look at what you're doing and then partner with you to make a difference to see your kingdom come? Number three, Jesus tells us to be generous. Be generous. Verse 33, he says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 
Jesus is saying, be generous. He actually says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. It's a little extreme. So we might look at that and be like, Jesus, what are, you, what are you doing to me? Why are you going after my stuff? Like, I'm struggling with anxiety and fear. Why are you going after my stuff? And Jesus tells us, I'm not going after your stuff. I don't want to take away your stuff. I want to take away your stress. And for a lot of us, our possessions, our stuff, causes a lot of stress in our life, right? Jesus is saying that your life follows your money. Where does your money go? See, a lot of us say, my heart is over here. My heart's after God's kingdom. But how do we really know if our heart is after God's kingdom? Check your schedule. Check your calendar and check your bank statement. Because Jesus Jesus says that where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Where is your treasure? Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending all your money? If the bulk of your money is tied up in debt, Jesus says that's where your heart is. If the bulk of your money is tied up in, you know, living these experiences and doing all these trips and stuff, Jesus is saying that's where your heart is. Wherever you spend your treasure, that's where your heart is. A lot of times our money goes to our fears. You want security, so you buy a nice house. You want comfort, so you go to entertainment. You want status, so it goes to possessions. You want approval, so it goes to clothes, to look good. You want friends, so it goes to gifts and, and, and food. Let's see, when we meet Jesus and he starts to change our heart, one of the things that Jesus births in us is generosity. When we meet him, one of the things he births in us is generosity. And it means we're not just looking for ways to take, we're looking for opportunities to give. And we're so grateful for the generosity of God. And then we're generous towards others because we want to mirror, reflect, image, worship this God who's been so generous to us. We want his generosity to be shared and shown to others. Now, we don't strive to be generous to earn God's love. It's not about earning more approval from God. It's not like that. See, the foundation for our generosity is the gospel. The foundation for our generosity is the gospel. See, we serve a God... John 3.16 tells us that he, God so loved the world that he gave. Our God is a generous God. Go outside. Beautiful Sunday day. Thank you for being here this morning. I know there's a lot that you could do on a Sunday morning with your time, and we appreciate that you spent your time with us. God gave us a beautiful creation, lakes and trees in Minnesota and so many beautiful things. God gave us that. God gave us the gift of friendship and families. We don't have to go through life alone. God gave us the gift of marriage so we can have a, a helpmate who can spur us on towards holiness, who can be an encourager next to us that we don't have to go through life alone. God has given us so many gifts, and the greatest gift he gave us was his very own son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us so that we don't have to try to earn his his approval, his salvation. Our God is a generous God. And we believe it's better to reflect the generosity of God than live a, a life filled with greed a life filled with anxiety and worry because so much is tied into our stuff and how we can get more and get more and pay off the debt that we have. The foundation for our generosity is the gospel. So what do, we, what do we do about this? What do we do that Jesus tells us to fear not? He tells us to seek the kingdom. He tells us to be generous. What do we do when so many of us live with crushing debt in our lives? Now, let's be honest. Sometimes life 
sticks up behind you and gives you a sucker punch. You know, one day your wife's driving and her car breaks down and you've taken it to the shop. They're like, oh, it's the one thing. No, it's not. It's the second thing. And pretty soon you're $5,000 in, you know, into the car shop and then you're driving your car there and your car breaks down and, and they're like, oh, how's my car? Well, it blew up. Sorry, you got to get a new car. <laughs> like, sometimes life happens and it just hits us. But there's times we get into trouble and we get into debt because, you know what, we're feeling kind of down, and so I went to the store, and even though I didn't have the money for those new jeans, I bought them. Or, you know what, I was looking for a house, and the bank said I could afford this. I knew my budget. I couldn't really afford this. So I bought this house, and now I've got way too much of my income and, and, my, and my resources tied up into this big house, and now I've got to, you know, mow the lawn and do all these things. You know, instead of staying at home and, and cooking a $6 dinner, we go to the Cheesecake Factory and spend $62. That's how most of us get into financial trouble. By driving in cars we can't afford, living in houses we can't afford, dressing in clothes we can't afford. And I get it. New possessions, think of this, they bring joy to us. They're cool stuff. They make, make us feel better for a moment. You know, even a new pair of pants, they make us feel good. Like, you know, that feels good when you put on a new pair of pants. You're like, man, I look good in these, right? Guys, you know too. What does it say about us? What does it say about our hearts? What we've bought into? But God's heart is to be generous. And see, God, throughout all of the Old Testament scriptures, he tells us over and over and over again that we've been blessed. And because we've been blessed, to look out for the widow, the orphan, and the alien. The widow, the orphan, and the foreigner. Over and over throughout scripture, he commands his people You've been blessed to be a blessing. Look after the widows, the orphans, the foreigner. I think translated to our times, that's the, the single mom. The kid who goes to bed without a dad at home or without a mom at home. The immigrants, the foreigners who are living here in our community. So what do we do when God's heart is to be generous, when God's heart is for the poor, when God's heart is for the single mom, the kid with one parent? The foreigner. See, we need to move. We need to step up and do what we can to reflect more the heart of God. And there's some little steps that we can take. Number one, I think it's paying off debt because debt kills your ability to be generous. Debt kills your ability to be generous. Absolutely kills your ability. Make a plan. Figure out how to pay off your debt so that you can be more generous. I want to encourage you, just a small step you could take today to be more generous. Um, maybe some of you have done this, and this is awesome. There's an amazing organization called Compassionate International. Uh, Compassion is, they're doing amazing work throughout the globe. We even have a friend who, who's working for them now as one of their directors. And uh, for $38 a month, you can support a child. You can literally change a life for $38 a month. $38 a month. I swear some of you spend that much money, I do, <laughs> on Starbucks each month. $38 a month, you could change the life of a child. A high school kid could probably come up with $38 a month. $38 a month. I encourage you, just go to Compassion International. If you've not signed up to support a kid, that's one step that you can take today to be generous, to make a difference. A life can literally be changed 
I'm not trying to be late night television here with some kind of infomercial. You can change. You can start to be more generous for $38 a month. Some of you would have the resources to adopt or to sponsor a whole bunch of kids. You could have a whole Compassion International family uh, of, of people that you sponsor. Um, I want to encourage you. Something we've done is uh, we have three children of our own, and so we have three Compassion children. And one of our uh, fashion kids that we've sponsored, uh, Kristen has been sponsoring them for the last, uh, what'd you say, 17 years, 17 years, and that uh, Rahema uh, from Africa uh, has written letters to Kristen, and she's written them back. And, uh, and, th- and then when we have kids, we've added two more, so we have, we've got three compassion kids. And it's neat that you can write these letters, you can get letters back. If that's something you've never looked into, if, if the idea of just even just being generous is kind of a, a foreign concept to you, Look into that. Compassion International, amazing organization. You can write letters. Some of you have five kids, six kids, more than that. Think about how you can have five or six Compassion kids. It's a neat thing to have your kids. We put their letters uh, up up on the fridge. Our our kids ask about them. Our kids love writing letters to the Compassion kids. Again, what I want you to hear is your pastor's desire is for you to be generous. That you let go of your stuff because our stuff so much causes stress in our life, that you work to get margin in your budget, that you pay off debt so that you can be generous. This isn't about, hey, we need your money. I'm, not, I'm telling you, go give your money to Compassion International. My desire for you is to be generous and to see what God can do through you as you are generous. God has blessed us to be a blessing. I look at, we have two mobile home communities with just a, within a few miles of us in Corcoran and Dayton. I believe as a church, God wants us to do more and more to bless those communities. There's an amazing organization called Mobile Hope that's doing some great things in both those mobile home communities. I want to encourage you, think about how can you be more generous with your time. Uh, in a couple of weeks, Nate, Pastor Nate is going to be sharing some ways how this fall, you can be generous with your time, you can be generous with your resources to partner with Mobile Hope what they're doing in that mobile home community. We need to do more as a community with the businessmen, with the nurses, with the educators, the real estate agents who are here in this community to use your talents and your gifts that God wants to use you to make a difference. You have been gifted by God to push back the darkness in the world. Partner together to push back the darkness, to push back the enemy by being generous with your time, by being generous with your resources. But to do that, you need to let go maybe of some stuff that's robbing you joy and depth of life that comes when Christ frees our hearts. It's about your joy. And God's not saying, you need to get rid of your stuff, you need to repent so I love you more. He's saying, no, I love you. Christ has paid the bill for us, and he's trying to save us from ourselves. He's pleading with you to to not live a life swallowed up by little possessions and experiences and and, and living small and having more and more stuff. But he's inviting you to live a full life with margin, with freedom. What if the next five years, every one of us said we're going to get out of debt? We made a plan to get out of debt. What if we said we're going to start to identify with the foreigners who are moving into our community? One of the things I love about Mosaic is we have a bunch of people here who are not born in the the United States that are part of our community. I love that. How can we continue as a church to say, people that are coming into our community, how do we welcome them? How do we 
live with eyes wide open to, to, to be generous. Uh, even in our services, how, how do we continue to make them feel welcome, to show them the love of Christ? How do we take care of the single moms in our community to make sure they're loved, to give, you know, uh, big brothers to take care of their kids, to take them out once a week? How do we come together as a community to take care of the people that God's heart is for, the single moms, the, the, the kids who don't have two parents, the foreigners in our community? We want to love and bless the people around us that God, his heart beats for. I want to encourage you, if you're married, speak with your spouse this week and say, what can we do to scale down? There's a whole movement. I'm not going to endorse everything about the minimalist movement, but there's some great things there that I think reflect the heart of God. How can you simplify? How can you purge some stuff, stuff in your house, stuff on your calendar, to get rid of some stress in your life? Maybe your kid isn't going to be in every single activity. Maybe you're going to pay that price when your friends are like, what do you mean your kid isn't doing football and Awana and swimming lessons and this and this and this? And you're like, no, we want margin in our calendar so that we can go serve at Mobile Hope, or we can meet our neighbors, that we can have them over for dinner, that we can do these things. How can you find ways to be more generous? Because what I know is that when you use every dollar that comes in, when you use every hour of our day, we don't have time for God to use us to be generous. What can you do this week to simplify, to scale down? And uh, if you don't have a spouse, spend some time thinking about it. Or grab a friend and just look at your calendar, look at your bank statement and say, how can I scale back? So I'm not just looking at myself. How can I let go of the fears to seek God's kingdom? to be generous. Here's what we want to do as a community. Here's where I believe God is leading us as a church. That in the next 12 months, we want to see 150 adults and kids part of a small group. We believe it's better to do life together than life alone. And we're going to be signing up for small groups in a couple weeks. And we want to encourage you to think about being in a small group. Who can you invite to come be in your small group? We like to say rows don't know. People next to you in your row, they don't know when you're struggling, but when you do life in a circle, when you're doing life together, you can pray for each other. You can support each other. We're hoping for 200 people here uh, on a Sunday morning. We want to baptize a dozen people in the next year. We believe marriages are going to be healed, that people are going to be delivered from addictions, that friendships are going to be formed and deepened, that lots of people are going to be found by God in the next year. That's where we believe God is leading us as a church. Before our fifth birthday, which we're turning to here uh, in about a month, uh, we want to purchase land. We want to plant our first daughter church. We want to record our first Mosaic worship CD. Can we give the band a hand? They just did an awesome job today. Thank you, guys. Man, they just bring it. Ah, we are blessed. Uh, we want to put on our first summer camp, something that God's birthed in my heart. Is how, how can we bless our community? And there's this idea that we could do some kind of summer camp, maybe it has an arts track, a theater camp, a track, a, a rock band track, a, a sports track, and we invite people from our community who can't afford a summer camp to partner with our kids, maybe some kids who can't afford a camp. How do we do life together, and how do we bless our community by putting on a camp? We want to do that in the next five years. We want to lead two international mission trips. Man, my heart, this is where, this is, this is where I want to get to. I think it's awesome we can support Compassion International, just pick a country, but here's what I would love 
is that we say, as a church, we're going to pick, I don't know, Brazil, Honduras, wherever it might be, Kenya. And we say, we're going to support kids. We're going to support a whole bunch of Compassion Kids in those countries. And then we're going to take mission trips to those countries. And then when you're supporting a kid, you can go visit that child. And you can see the difference that God is making through you. We want to build these partnerships. But you know what? Nate and I, we can't do it alone. We need you to partner with us to say, how can we plan trips? How do we find a way to make a difference locally, to make a difference globally? Because we have been given so many gifts. And God has blessed us so we can be a blessing. In the next 10 years, what my dreams are is that we have our building of our own. That We're not forever in this elementary school, even though it's great. And here's what I see is that we, we have land and we have a building and we have sand volleyball courts and we have a pavilion where people can gather, an outdoor playground, and it's open to the community. And we have a prayer chapel that is, is open 24 hours a day and we planted five daughter churches. And we sent out 200 people on mission trips. We're sponsoring 100 orphans. We have three global and three local partnerships. We provide free office space for local nonprofits. Maybe we even have horses on the land, and we do horse therapy, all kinds of neat stuff that I believe God wants to do in our community. I believe God has so many plans, so many dreams, but it takes us partnering together to be, how can I be generous with my talents? Some of you are amazing business leaders. How can you leverage your talents to raise up better leaders here inside Mosaic? Some of you are amazing educators. How can you use your talents to help us make a bigger and deeper impact with our kids? We believe our kids are not just an afterthought, but they're a priority. Amen? Man, we want to have the best children's programming we can possibly have. Because it's not about being better than some other church. It's about saying we value our kids. And we want to plant seeds. We want to raise up children who love God, who are generous with their time and talents and their energy, who are using what God has given them to go change the world. So many of you have so many talents, and God wants you to get in the game. It's not about just coming and setting up a chair or greeting or serving in the nursery. There's so many ways that God can use you and your talents to make a difference. Be generous with your schedule. A lot of us right now are in that season, we're looking at a fall schedule. We're planning out activities with our families, with, with, with our kids, just vacations. I want to encourage you, please, build in margin. Maybe there's one night a week you want to just schedule it in like, this is your time, God, I'm open for whatever you want to do. And I guarantee you that God will respond to that. The next thing you know, you'll have neighbors knocking on your door, coming to talk to you, hey, I need something. Because you've built that margin in your life, you'll meet families at the park and start to develop a relationship with them. Whatever it might be, build that time in to say, God, this is time I'm giving to you so I can be generous with my schedule. And look at your finances. How can you be generous? My heart is for you to be generous. Because I believe generosity combats anxiety. And when we get our eyes off ourselves, when we look at God, the most generous giver of all, uh, He's given us this amazing world, He's given us the church, He's given us His Son. And we say, God, let me seek your kingdom. Help me to be generous, help me to reflect your generosity. Man, how different could our lives look this fall? How different could our families look, our church look this fall? Because we believe the church is the hope of the world. 
Jesus, he didn't give us a bunch of nonprofits. He didn't give us Christian radio stations. He didn't give us Christian uh, websites. He gave us the church. The church is the hope of the world because we point people to Jesus. We do life together. We make disciples. The church is the presence of Jesus on planet Earth. You may miss money that you misspend. You maybe miss money that you gamble away. You may miss money that you lose, miss money that you waste, but you're never going to miss money that you give to the local church that's in sync with the will of God because it's a gift that can impact generation after generation after generation. What would it look like if we all decided to live a life of generosity, to pay off our debt, to get our schedules cleared so we're not filling up all the time, to maybe downsize our stuff to, so we have margin, so we're getting rid of the stuff that causes stress in our life. As Christians, we need to be stop being known what we're standing against and start being known as a generous people who are just generous with our love, generous with grace, generous with hope, generous with our time, generous with our schedule, generous with our money, because we serve a God who says there's always room for one more in the family of God. There's always going to be one room for one more in Mosaic Church. He's so generous. And he wants you to experience a life of generosity as well. I'm going to invite the band up. Would you join me in prayer? God, I thank you for your generosity, that you saw us in the midst of our brokenness, um, our, our midst of our anxieties and fears, with our eyes turned to ourselves, and you said they need hope. And so you gave us Jesus. And you knew that we couldn't save ourselves, so Jesus went to the cross, and he died, and then he rose again to show that he has power over everything. And so, God, I pray. I know there are people in this room who have real struggles with fear and anxiety. And, God, I pray that you would, right now, your Holy Spirit would take away that fear, that your Holy Spirit would take away that anxiety. God, that you would use your church to come alongside those of us who struggle with those things. That we'd let go of fear that we would know that we are your children and that you love us. In the same way you take care of the birds and the flowers, you take care of us. God, I pray that we could get our eyes onto you. We'd seek after your kingdom. We'd ask, God, how do you want to use me to make a difference, to push back the darkness? And God, that we'd be generous. This fall as we look ahead to our, at our schedules, as we look at what we spend our money on, as, as we look how we're spending our 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 talents, God, that we would, you'd birth in us just an overflowing generosity. God, that as we partner together, you would do amazing things through us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, we're going to have a, just a time of reflection. Uh, and then after this response song, we'll receive an offering. And this is a chance for you to just Say, God, what are you speaking to me right now? How can I be more generous? This is a great chance, too, uh, if you want to pull out your connection card. And maybe, maybe there's something stirring in your heart, and you want to write down a prayer request on their connection card. 
If there's something you'd like Pastor Nate and I to follow up with you on, uh, this is the time to think and reflect on that. Two weeks ago, we talked about the gift of meditation that God gives us, and we define meditation really as sitting at the feet of Jesus. We said, physically, there's some things you can do that to put your hands down, sit up straight, put your hands down, and say, God, this is something I've been doing the last two weeks. God, I'm letting go of my anxieties. I'm, I'm letting go of my fear. I'm letting go of the need to be perfect. I'm letting go of all these things I, I don't want to hold on to anymore. I'm letting go of, of the stress of the way that my stuff has held me bound. And then flip your hands over and say, God, I'm receiving from you your love, your grace, the knowledge that I'm your, your son or your daughter. You are my good, good father who loves me. God, I'm receiving from you your Holy Spirit to come into my life, to change, to purge me, to help me become more generous. I encourage you, as during this response song, spend some time doing that. And maybe God will bring, maybe you want to take some notes or write something down that God brings to you. We also shared two weeks ago that as you're sitting in that time of reflecting on Jesus, as you're sitting on his feet, you know, maybe there's some fears and you want to just imagine those fears going away, those worries like, like a leaf flowing down the stream. Last week we talked about prayer and, and how we can be intercessors, and that means to pass or go between. Maybe even during this response time, there's someone that God will bring to your heart, to your mind, and say, God, I know they're struggling with anxiety, and they're struggling with worry. And in your mind, you're going to go grab them gently, nicely. You're going to walk them over in your mind to Jesus and say, Jesus, this is my friend. This is my spouse. They need to know they can let go of this anxiety and their fear. That's what being an intercessor is. It's, it's, it's taking people and walking them to Jesus. It's standing in between. It's standing in that, that gap. As the band sings, uh, let's just spend some time reflecting, uh, and then we'll, we'll close with our offering.